Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 476 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is September 24th. 2023 and the San Diego Padres just finished up their final home game of the 2023 season. Uh, a series win against the St. Louis Cardinals. Then it was a pretty reflective series win in, in the sense of like what their entire season has looked like. You know, like there was an exciting game. Then there was a, a really annoying game in the middle game. And then in the final game here, they have an amazing offensive performance and there was a good pitching performance and it was like, okay, you know, up and down series. And that's what it's been this season for this Padres team is just a lot of inconsistency. And so, like I said, on my post-game reaction today or kind of post-game reaction, because it was like in the eighth inning, because the game was obviously over. If you could pick two games this season, back-to-back games, like that were, you know, reflective of this 2023 season, you would pick these two games probably. These would be two good examples. I mean, second game, lose 5-2, can't win an extra innings, go one for 17 with runners in scoring position. And then today they score 12 runs and they finish with 18 hits. So they finish with more hits today than opportunities to get a hit with runners in scoring position yesterday. Um, so just inconsistency, uh, and that's just what this season was. And um, I, what I will say, and I'll probably mention this, you know, later in the show as well. But uh, the fans, I mean, Padres fans have shown up, and I've said this before. This isn't the first time, but Padres fans, you have shown up every game. Has every game been a sold out, a sellout? No, not every game has been a sellout, but 
every game has probably had like at least 30,000 people there. And there's been, I think, 60, 61 maybe, around 60 sellouts this season in 79 home games. Because remember, there were two games in Mexico City. And it was another pretty packed crowd today. The Padres have been, I think, out of it. I know they went on this win streak, this eight-game win streak. But I feel like this team has been out of it now for weeks. And we've known that this season was over for weeks. But Padres fans continued to show up when this Padres team probably didn't really deserve it. They, they didn't deserve all these sellout crowds. The way that they were playing, they didn't deserve that. The Padres fans continued to show up and... I think that's a that, that's a moment where we should cheer and give a uh, an ovation give an ovation to us. Really. I mean that's what it that's what it comes down to. Um over 3.2 million fans I believe is the number that I heard Sammy Levitt say on the post game show today when I was driving home. 3.2 million over over that. And Bob Melvin, shout out to him. I mean he has obviously been through a lot this season, but what I saw from him today after the game was one of those small memories that I probably won't forget in a while. I mean, I compare it to, uh, it's two different situations, but last year after the Padres clinched a postseason spot and you had Will Myers in that same spot where Bob Melvin was applauding to the fans before he left the clubhouse. And then in a totally different situation, obviously last year was joy, but this season, Padres' last home game of 2023, you know there's not going to be another one this season. No postseason. And Bob Melvin's there. And you know, I, I looked at Manny. Before Bo Mel came, I saw Manny, and he didn't stop. He didn't clap to the fans, at least from what I saw, um, at all. And he may have acknowledged them a little bit, but he, he wasn't he didn't stand there and clap to the fans and stop and clap like Bob Melvin did. And he was walking off, stopped, clapped, gave an applause to Padres fans there that, that were uh, above the Padres dugout. And uh, that obviously immediately made me think, like, does he know that this is it for him? Does he think that this is it from him? Not because of his own, like, decision but because aj preller or the san diego padres are going to decide to move on from him or is he just doing it out of the, the the good of his own heart uh because he knows as he has said previously that padres fans are the mvp of this 2023 season it's not a player it's the fans because we have continued to show up padres fans you continued to show up even through the uh the difficult times you know um but yeah, that, that's a moment where it's like, thank you, Bob, for, for doing that, for, for recognizing the fans. It's not, not a huge moment. You know, some might say, oh, it's meaningless. Who cares about if, a, if they acknowledge the fans, whatever. But I thought that was a pretty cool moment that he stopped uh, just for a couple seconds, just stopped before he went into the dugout and gave applause, gave an applause, an ovation uh, to the fans for showing up because he knows that this is it this season. He might be back in 2024, but he might not be. Um, but Bob, I mean, my thought from there, obviously, about the future, but also is like, 
man, this dude does not deserve to be let go here. Like, he knows how awesome it is to have this consistent support because of what he had to go through with Oakland, right? And he still made it to the playoffs pretty consistently with the Oakland A's. Like, considering the resources that they had or the lack thereof, uh, the lack of payroll, the lack of buy-in from the owner, um, he was successful with the Oakland A's. And then he comes here. Oakland A's, in comparison, obviously, a lot of empty seats. Not A's fault. Uh, not the A's fans' fault. But because, like, the team doesn't care about the fans, obviously. Um, and, you know, the stadium's old as heck. Uh, but he comes to San Diego, and it's packed all the time. And so he definitely appreciates that. And he, he knows that, you know, the fans were the MVP of this season. Um, but, yeah. Again, it was just a it was a cool moment. And Padres fans, you deserve that applause from Bob Melvin. You deserve that thanks by other Padres players in the organization. Um, because you could have stopped showing up. And maybe some Padres fans did stop showing up. And they were like, I'm done with this. And I know a lot of these fans were season ticket holders, right? Like over 20,000 every game, I think, were season ticket holders. So that left a portion of the crowd not being season ticket holders, but most of them were season ticket holders. Um, but still, season ticket holders showed up. Fans showed up. Those that didn't have or that weren't Padres members, you all continued to show up. Um, so, yeah, I can't say enough. I can't say enough about the Padre fans' support this season. And that's not about support for, like, my show or anything like that. That's just support for the team and continuing to show up. Now, I can talk about support for my show, and I'll definitely talk about that here for a minute or two. Like, man, I think I said this on a previous show, but it definitely, definitely means a lot uh, for the kind comments at the ballpark, people that run into me and, you know, notice me and, um, you know, say what's up, love your stuff, keep going. Um, those in the comments that are always there, like win or loss, we might disagree on some things, but you're always there. Um, it's awesome. And that's what, you know, can keep me going too, because there's some shows and I'm not going to mention them by name or anything. There's some channels that some people that say that they're there every day with you, you know, giving you content, giving you their thoughts every day after every game and all that. But that's not true. They're not there after every game. Not That's not true. If you go look back this season, they weren't there after every game. But I took pride in that. And the season's not over, but I'm just saying that I take pride in being there, like Manny does in posting, right? I take pride in being there uh, for Padres fans, whether I feel like doing it or not. Um, it, it's not, this isn't, this doesn't feel like a job, but there are some nights this season where it's like, man, that was a really bad performance. Another loss. I mean, what do you want me to say after this? You know, it's the same thing. But I knew that there were people out there that enjoy listening or watching my stuff. And so I felt like I, you know, I owe it to you. You're giving me your time. Um, and so I definitely owe it back to you guys, all of you, uh, to give you back mine and continue to put stuff out every day. Uh, I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong somewhere in the comments, but I believe before every single day that the Padres played a game, on that day, I did pregame thoughts, found a way to do it so far this season. Season's not over, but so far, every day, and 
post-game reaction on the day that the Padres played after every game at some point. Some weren't as long, some were longer, but I want to be there for you. And I, I hopefully you guys realize like that's just me. I just want to appreciate you all for being here. That's that's really what it is. Um, and we're all we all have the same goal, right? We want to see a Padres World Series title before we die, right? Some are much older than me. And they're like, man, this is, this, it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. It, it's getting there. Um, but hold in there, you know, try to keep the faith. I'm going to, I'm going to have the faith going into next year. I know this year I stopped having it because it's not like they gave me a reason to have a bunch of faith. Right. Uh, and this winning streak happened really late in the year. Um, and I thought that, yeah, I mean, there's just too much stuff that was going to have to go the Padres way. Um, that it just wasn't going to happen. But next year's a new year. They start 0-0. They're going to have a talented roster in 2024. And I would just say keep showing up, keep showing the support, uh, and keep the faith. And one of these years, it's going to happen. And these these failures, it's just going to make it that much sweeter, right? That, oh, wow, uh, we finally did it, right? I mean, last year, I know they didn't make it to the World Series, but beating the Dodgers in the NLDS, making it to the NLCS, making the postseason, getting to see that at Petco Park live, them clinching a spot, um, you know, definitely being emotional, obviously, as everyone saw in that video after the Padres beat the Dodgers in the NLDS. Uh, you know, some are going to joke about that and be like, that's your World Series. It was the NLDS. But um, there's been a lot of years not like this where it's been like massive disappointment because of the talent on the team but just a lot of years like this where it ends in no postseason appearance right nothing nothing no october baseball um and it sucks and watching the postseason this year which i'm going to do obviously and watch every game because i'm a baseball fan it's going to suck not seeing the padres because that was the team that we expected to be there we were like uh, playoffs of course, they're going to be in the playoffs, like at minimum. But that's the the beauty or the the sucky thing about baseball, right? It's not played on paper. You got to go play the games. It's every day. It's not once a week. It's not just once on Sunday. It's every week. And you got to show up. You got to do your job consistently. Not Not for 17 times. No, you got to do it for over 100 times, 150 times. You got to show up consistently. Um, and the Padres, you know, with the talent on this team, we thought that they were going to do that. They just out-talent some teams, and they just weren't able to do that. But, again, I feel like their time is going to come. It's going to come here. Um, and we just got to wait for that to, to come, right? And uh, so I'm going to have faith going into next year, no doubt about that. Um, probably some question marks going into next year, but I'll have faith. and. Got to have faith, I guess, in the front office that they'll make the right moves and hopefully Bob Melvin is back. But yeah, just starting off here, I just wanted to give my thanks to you guys, the fans, um, just for you know supporting the Padres and obviously supporting the channel here. So again, thank you so much for that. All right. Um, let's get to the three games in this Padres Cardinals series. On Friday, Padres, they get the 4-2 win. That was a fun night. You know, that was still when the winning streak was going. That was the Padres' eighth consecutive win in a row. 
Manny with a couple home runs, obviously those were huge. And it's like, okay, um, some fans started to believe there. I was not one of them. I was not going to sit there and, you know, be on the bandwagon because I just knew the uphill climb that needed to continue. And it was like, this team's going to probably have to go 16-0 to finish off the season. That's just how it's going to have to go. And I didn't see that happening. And obviously it didn't happen because, you know, the Padres, they lose yesterday. And I believe the teams in front of the Padres won today. Maybe not all of them, but I know some of them did. And obviously, so that's just one less day on the calendar for the Padres. And so they've now got six, six or seven, six, three games against San Francisco, three games against Chicago, the White Sox. They've got six games left, and I think they're five games back in the wild card. Like, it's just not going to happen. But when some believed, it was a fun night. And even those that didn't believe, like myself, like that was a fun night at the ball yard. Manny having two home runs, um, his 29th and his 30th home runs of the season, him getting the the curtain call. Uh, and I think that was a cool moment, you know, Padres fans realizing what Manny is going through with the tennis elbow, and he should have probably already gotten surgery, as I have made my thoughts known on that. Uh, but he's going to continue going until this team is mathematically eliminated. That's just how he, that's just how he rolls. And he's not going to give up. He's going to keep going. Now, I wanted him to play today, you know, the last home game of the season, and you're not in the lineup. I mean, I don't really like that. But I guess it was a planned off day because they're. it seems like what they're doing is having him play two games, two games on, one game off, two games on, one game off to try to get through this season. But when you need to win the games, it's like you, you really want Manny in the lineup. Um, but if his elbow can't allow him to do that, then his elbow can't allow him to do it. And I understand him not playing in like today's game, for example. But at the same time, if you can't play at all, if you can't play every day the rest of the year, then why are you playing? You know, like they need you to be in this lineup if you really think that you have a chance and you're doing this one, two day on, one day off thing. Like, how much of an impact are you giving to this Padres team if you're not playing every day? Because if you play two games on, okay, you win those, but what if you lose that game that you didn't play? Now, the Padres won today, obviously, but I'm just saying, like, what if, you know, Manny, he was the difference maker on Friday. You know, what if you lose the game that you don't play? Um, you can't afford to lose games here, right? So, I mean, we're just going round and out, round and round on this topic. I mean, those that have watched this show, those that listen to this show, they, they know what I think about what Manny should have been doing here. Like he should have already had the surgery. Uh, there was no point. I don't think in him continuing to play like this, uh, especially when you're only DHing, you're not playing third base. The season's not going anywhere. And it's going to be a five, seven month recovery. That's what he, I think re- confirmed to reporters after Friday's game, five, seven month full, re- full recovery. So that doesn't mean that he can't DH to start the year. I think he'd be able to DH to start next season. Um, But five to seven month recovery for him to be like fully back and playing third base. And so, I mean, it's the end of September here. So October, November, December, January, February, March could be into April until he's fully back. And remember, the Padres season starts March 20th next year, I believe, in South Korea against the Dodgers. It's not like it starts April 1st or whatever, like, other teams, you know, whenever the, I forget the, the 2024 opening day date, but, uh, so 
it doesn't look like he's going to be if if it's the like six seven month timeline again depending on when he gets the surgery now he is someone that can you know fast track the rehab because he really works his butt off during this rehab stuff now he was playing through pain last year i'm, I'm going to bring up the ankle sprain example when he suffered that in colorado some would have been out for a month, a couple months. He was out for like 10 games. And he still wasn't 100%. I think the first game that he was back last year at Dodger Stadium, he was DHing. But he is someone that will come back probably sooner than the recommended time. And maybe that's not what you want if you're a Padres fan. But if he's DHing and he's doing all the work necessary to get him ready to DH at the beginning of the year, he's doing all the other work so he's on track to return mid-April or end of April at third base, I'm fine with that. Um, I, you know, Mostly, I know Manny's tremendous at defense. I could watch him play defense all day. But I want Manny to be, um, you know, playing. I want, him, I want him at the plate. That's obviously what is most important here is him at the plate. Um, I thought he should have gotten surgery, but he had a heck of a night on Friday night, that's for sure. He, he drove in a run on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, Friday, like that was a cool night. You know, um, Matt Waldron, what an outing from him. Back to back, pretty solid outings. The He had to start against Oakland. I know he gave up a good amount of hits there, but in terms of earned runs, wasn't a lot. And then on Friday, he goes five and two thirds and only gives up one run. He struck out nine guys. At one point there, he looked like, as I said in my postgame reaction on Friday, the guy looked like Ari Dickey from 2012. He was like, he was impressive. He was. He was throwing the knuckleball like early on in the count, getting guys, you know, maybe expecting a fastball to get ahead. Those guys weren't able to, you know, make solid contact. And then he'd go fastball. The fastball is like, what, 94? But it, it looks, it probably looks if you're at the plate and you're facing the knuckleball, which is, I think, in the 70s, you face a 94 mile per hour fastball, that's going to look like 98. 99 compared to the knuckleball, obviously, because, you know, you're, you're so used to look at the slow speed, like batting practice pitch. There's no spin on it to a pitch that has the spin. And it's, you know, 94. You got to adjust there. And uh, he was making Paul Goldschmidt not look very good on Friday. So I'm not saying like, oh, he's going to be in the rotation ne next year. I, I know I. I think I hinted at that with Pedro Avila. Like, maybe he should get a shot at, you know, participating, uh, being in the rotation next season. Give him a shot in spring training. And maybe they will. But it feels like he's most comfortable out of the bullpen. I think if Nick Martinez comes back next year, um, they could probably... Nick will probably get a better opportunity to start in the rotation than those guys. But I think having Matt Walton be a triple-A piece and be able to make those spot starts, you know, take the... Whose role would it be? Take the Ryan Weathers role, probably. You know how Ryan, earlier in the year, when they needed a spot start, he would come in. Jackson Wolf made one start in Detroit. Have Mount Waldron come up and be that guy. Uh, that could be a valuable piece. Now, I think, would he be more effective out of the bullpen, like one inning, two innings? I don't know. Because sometimes with the knuckleball, I think he did give up a home run on Friday. Sometimes the knuckleball, you're only pitching one inning. If it's not working and it's just floating up there right down the middle and guys hammer it, then you're going to suck as a reliever for that one inning. But let's say you give up a couple runs as a starter and you can go six innings, then it doesn't look that bad, right? Um, you can keep guys off balance. Maybe it feels like Waldron's a guy that would be better 
as a starter like that just to keep guys off balance. And then you can go with your fireball guys out of the bullpen to really change things up. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what Matt Waldron's future looks like with this Padres team. Uh, Robert Suarez did want to shout him out from Friday. His performance there, an inning and two-thirds. Uh, no, no runs allowed, no walks, struck out a guy after Garcia allowed the tie game. I think it was Jordan Walker who came through. So he was big. Uh, and Petco, again, brought it with the energy on Friday for sure. No doubt about it. When Manny had those homers, uh, he got loud in there. And it kind of felt like a almost playoff environment. Kind of felt like, a, okay, this is an important game. Until what happened yesterday. I mean, the Padres couldn't really afford to lose a game. I guess a game, right? I was hearing that. Like, if they go 8-1, and one, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But them going undefeated would have obviously made it much easier for them to make the postseason uh, than going 8-1, and one, just, just because of where the calendar is. And you go 8-1, and one, I mean, that's even less breathing room than you ha- that you have the rest of the year, considering, you know, where the loss came. It's not like it came the last day of the season um, out of these last, like, nine games or whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah, the, can we put that... Can we put that to bed? The postseason thing, that's just not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't even know if we should talk about that really much anymore. Um, Saturday, Padres lose 5-2. to two. You know, after having a, an exciting win on Friday, obviously they have a good win today, but sandwiched in the middle of that is a dreadful offensive performance with runners in scoring position. One for 17. I think 13 guys were left on base. Again, today they had 18 hits. So. More hits today than opportunities to get a hit with runners in scoring position yesterday. It's not like they had seven opportunities. 17. 17. Um, bottom, these are just some of the situations. Bottom third, first and second, one out. Manny lines out. Campy grounds out. Bottom of the fifth, first and second, one out. Manny grounds into a double play. Bottom of the sixth, Campy uh, got thrown out at second base by uh, Jordan Walker and Wright. One of those where Campy was lollygagging. He was looking at the ball, thinking that it was going to be a home run. And uh, obviously Walker, he didn't catch it. It was in his glove, kind of. And then he pulled it back. Must have had like strong wrist or strong forearm there to pull it back. And Campy's just kind of jogging in there. And Walker, credit to him, he came up firing. Great throw to second base right in the air. I mean, what an arm he has. Nails Campy, and some were pointing to that as being a big mistake in the game. But I mean, Batten, I think to end the inning, he hit a ground ball to third, so that could have been a double play. Third baseman could have stepped on third, threw it over to first, and innings over there anyway. And the Padres don't score, so I'm not really pissed off at that. I'm pissed off at Campy, obviously. Um, you know, not running hard there, and he'll obviously learn from that. But I'm more, I'm more irritated that like just overall in the game it was just not good enough it was really bad uh with runners in scoring position and you go late in the game bottom seven first and second one out soto grounds into a double play and the eighth kim got being he got caught being dumb at first base i mean i don't know what the heck he was doing there between first and second he went to go steal and then stopped it's like he was planning on that you know that play where it's like first and third and the runner at first intentionally tries to get in a rundown so the runner can score, and then the guy 
that's in the rundown gets tagged after the runner scores. It felt like it was like that that Kim was doing, but there's no one on third base in that spot. And that ended the inning. Maybe that run scores or whatever, and they don't go to extra innings. Um, you could point to the other thing about Campy. The thing I was more pissed off with Campy about yesterday than um, the the should have been double that ended up just being a single and him getting tagged out at second base was him dropping that ball that Tatis threw in because that would have kept the game tied in that spot, but that was earlier on in the game. Padres end up winning it maybe by one if that run didn't score because that, I believe, would have ended the inning because Tatis made a great throw in. Game's tied. Then the go-ahead run comes in. I think it made it 3-2 at that point, and... I don't know if the bat had anything to do with it. The bat was laying there on the the grass. I don't know if Campy kind of lost it or whatever, but no excuses. I mean, he he should have caught that ball. And um, it was a great throw from Tatis. Just one hop and just Campy, maybe he should have used two hands in that spot. I don't know. Obviously, Tatis, he throws it hard. So I'm not saying that that's like an easy catch, but I mean, he is in the big leagues. He's a He's a big league catcher. The guy... He should have caught it. I think he would tell you he should have caught that ball. Inning over there, tie game. Maybe the Padres end up winning by one if the rest of the game goes the way it goes. Um, but, I mean, even with that, even with the mistakes earlier on in the game, like the Padres had an opportunity late. They had the bases loaded with nobody out, and they get one run out of it in the ninth, was ninth inning, or was it extra inning? I think it was the ninth inning. Helsley walked three guys. In a row, the Cardinals closer, and Bogarts hits a double play ball, beats it out, and then that tied it two two. Tati strikes out swinging, and then Soto strikes out swinging. You know the, the big guys in the lineup just not doing enough. Bases loaded, nobody out, and you have Bogarts, Tatis, and Soto coming up, and you get one run out of it. Like that's that should not happen. That cannot happen a lot next season because if it does, we might be sitting in the same spot as we are now. That's just the bottom line. Because other teams are going to execute if the Padres are not going to. I mean, that's what we saw this season. The Cardinals, they were given the opportunity to execute there in the 11th inning because the Padres didn't execute earlier on in that game in the early innings, in the ninth inning, um, obviously in the 10th inning, you have a runner on second base. Manny gets intentionally walked. Campy immediately grounds into a double play. Uh, Eggy Rosario strikes out. I mean, just couldn't do anything. And then obviously the length, the 11th inning, you have Scott Barlow going in there for his second inning of work. And he already just gave it his all in his first inning. And uh, I believe if I rem remember correctly, some of these balls weren't very hard hit. Palacios, sack fly, makes it 3-2. Profar had no shot at getting him. He just threw it to third. Uh, Baker gets a single to center. Uh, Kisner has a sack fly, makes it 5-2. I mean, something that I pointed out on social media last night, I think I said it on my post-game reaction, was Josh Hader just pitching one inning last night. When you have Suarez the night before pitching multiple, more than three outs, I don't think he got through two, but inning and two-thirds, I believe. And then you have Barlow last night pitching multiple innings, pitching more than three outs. It's like, why can't Josh Hader do that? I know earlier on in the year, I think in, in, in talking with the media, he was referencing how he's building up for October. He's building up for when it matters most and being 
ready to go and do a lot more, um, you know, later in the season. Well, it's later in the season now. And whether it's you or it's the Padres, someone's at fault here. I don't really care who it is, but I'm still going to blame something. I got to blame something. I'm blaming whoever, whoever's at fault. You obviously get the blame here for, for not maximizing haters value this season. You got to blame AJ Preller for not trading him before the deadline, which I thought they should have. And now he's going to walk and go sign with another team in free agency who gives him $100 million. Maybe blame Bob Melvin, Ruben Niebla for allowing Josh Hader to only throw one inning um, for a lot of this season, by the way. And I'm not even, it's not me being pissed off about him not throwing last night. It's just like this has been a common theme. You see other relievers in baseball having, uh, you know, having the ability to go more than three outs. And you got Josh Hader over here not doing that. How many times this season has he pitched more than three outs in a season? And I'm going to get to the chat here in a second. Um, I just give my thoughts, obviously, on these three games here this weekend. But like Josh Hader, I'm not trying to criticize his pitching. Like he has a 1-1-9 ERA. Like he's been really good this season when he's been on the mound. But he's been really good. That's what like pisses me off a little bit because he's been really good and they didn't maximize him. You know, if you're not going to trade him, then use him a lot. You know he's not going to come back in free agency, right? Use him. You're not trading him. You're, you know, early August, you're more in the race than you are now, obviously, because you have a lot more time. You have a couple months more left in the season. And he pitches like once a week. Like it, that should be unacceptable. I don't care what the situation is. I mean, the Padres were losing. They were down by one, one run, I believe, last night when Hader pitched. So why couldn't they have done that earlier on in the season? You know, I mean. Okay, I'm going through his game logs here. How many times did he pitch more than one inning? I am not seeing one single appearance where he went more than three outs the entire season. I'm looking at all of them, I see zero appearances where he went more than one inning. I mean, when you're getting paid that you're getting paid that much money, you're one of the best relievers in baseball. And you're on a team that's trying to go win a World Series, at least at the beginning of the year, like that was the expectation. This Padres team should have been pitching Josh Hader in situations where they were down by a run. And he's obviously the better option over option X. He should have been pitching. I don't care if you're not winning the game. I don't care if it's tied. Pitch your best reliever there. If you're trying to win games in early August, pitch him more than once a week. You know, he pitches August 1st. And then the next appearance is August 8th. Then the next appearance is August 16th. He pitches August 18th. The next appearance is August 23rd. I get it. Not all of the, the next games were saved situations. And you can't pitch him every day. But I'm not saying you have to pitch him every day. I'm just saying that he should have been pitching more often when the Padres actually had more of a shot of making the postseason. You don't trade Josh Hader before the trade deadline. So you're saying, okay, we're trying to go win here. But then... Your actions don't show that you're trying to go win. And again, I don't want to like blame Bob Melvin and the coaching staff all on this because if I'm, I got to blame Josh Hader on this. I don't know who actually made this. Like, who do I actually blame for this? I don't know. But I got to blame Josh Hader because at the end of the day, if he, if he wanted to go pitch multiple innings at some point this season, he would have went to the coaching staff and said, hey, put me out there for more than an inning. 
I need to go. I want to go help this team win. We need to win. I'm the best option in this bullpen. If you think that I can cover more than three outs, you want me to cover more than three outs, you like the matchup for me to come in in the eighth inning up by a run or something or tie game in the eighth inning with their best hitter up at the plate, give me those four outs. Let's say it's two outs in the eighth. Have me go out there and finish off that inning if you don't think that the you have the good matchup up you know, on the mound. Did he do that this season? I don't know. And I get it. He's Josh was looking out for his future, but at the same time, I mean, I'm a Padres fan. I'm a biased Padres fan, and I'm sitting here. You know, you have this amazing weapon in the bullpen, and you're not using it. Like, what's the point? And some people don't like this comparison that I make, but it's like if you have these amazing, awesome pair of shoes that you just bought, and you're only going to have, no, I, this doesn't really happen, but because haters under contract for only this season, you know you have those great pair of shoes, or you know you have this great car for one more year, and you just let it sit there, and you don't use it. You don't use it consistently. You let it sit there, you use it once a week. What's the point of that? And you're just gonna you're just gonna lose it. You're just gonna lose it. You're not gonna get the money back because that's not what's gonna happen here. You know, Josh Hader's gonna go sign somewhere else, and all the Potters are gonna get back is a what a compensation draft pick. Like who cares? You know, you're not you didn't get anything back. You're not trading it, and you're letting it run off. You know, until you have to give it to someone else, and you don't use that shiny great car. You don't use those awesome pair of shoes that you had, that you traded for, that you bought, right? Hopefully, I'm not the only one that was irritated this season about that. Um, if Josh Hader would have pitched in some of those situations, does that mean the Padres go make the postseason? I'm not saying it does, because the Padres, obviously, they had a lot of opportunities to win those close games, even with Josh Hader not pitching as frequently as I would, would have liked you know, earlier on in the season. And they still didn't get those opportunities, you know, or they, excuse me, they got the opportunities. They didn't cash through on those opportunities, right? They didn't cash in on them. Um, so I'm not saying that they would have made it to the postseason. I'm not saying that they would have done that, but um, not saying they would have won the division, not saying any of that. But I think they would have been more in it than they are now. I think they'd have more wins than they do now. I think that's fair to say. Not like 10 more wins, but... They'd have more wins than they do right now. Um, I'm convinced of it. And instead, now we're going to get Josh Hader uh, final week in a Padres uniform, and then he's going to go get $100 million somewhere. Good for him. You know, nothing. It's not against him, like, personally. Like, yeah, go get your money. I understand, like, yesterday, if, if he's telling the Padres only one inning, I get it because Padres aren't going anywhere. Season's over. He's this close to free agency. But it pissed me off more earlier on in the season, you know, looking back on it. And this isn't the first time that I've said it, but just looking back on it, it's like just wasted, wasted, wasted season overall, and then wasted players as well on this team that you could have, um, you know, gotten something back for them before the trade deadline. And AJ Preller, you decided not to do that. That's just irritating. Um Sunday, obviously today, Padres, they win 12-2, to 18 hits, 17 uh, opportunities with runners in scoring position yesterday, obviously, as I've said multiple times on this show. I just keep bringing that up because it just demonstrates the this Padres roller coaster season so much, 
so well. Great game today, 12 runs. Like, the talent is there. It's like, oh, wow. I mean, they did this without Manny Machado in the lineup. Wow. Holy cow. I mean, you have Jose Azokar hitting a home run, Eggie Rosario and Matthew Batten down there at the bottom of the order. But then yesterday, they go one for 17 with runners in scoring position. It's like, man, again, like talent wasted because the talent was there. I mean, they wasted it themselves because they're on the field doing it, right, and not executing. But it's like, man, that talent, all this talent on this team just wasted this season because the guys couldn't do it consistently enough. Just freaking sucks. Um, but Soto, Tatis, really fun to watch today. Soto went three for five. Scored two runs, drove in four runs, a 922 OPS that he has this season. And I was discussing this with someone uh, next to me at the Padres game today about Juan Soto. It's like his OPS is so impressive. And this is considering it's more impressive when you consider what happened earlier on in the season. If you look at his splits for this season, remember that slow start that he got off to and he was rolling over every ball, a bunch of ground balls to second base not coming through nowhere near enough, you know, especially, especially for like the Juan Soto expectations, right? I did a breakdown on what the heck is wrong with the swing. Um, I think that was after that Cubs series at Wrigley in Chicago. It's like, there's something wrong here. And if you go look at the splits by month, I mean, he started off this season terribly. He hit 202. He had a 757 OPS. Um, in April and March combined, first 29 games for him, he was hitting 202. And now, well, in September this year, so far, he's hitting 329. So he's getting, he's hot, obviously, right now. But yeah, like starting this season, 757 OPS. Then he had an amazing month of May, 1114 um, OPS, had a OPS over 900 in June and July, but then he had a bad august 713 ops but then he has a ops over a thousand this uh this month excuse me so with soto kind of like with the padres it's just been up and down with him and so yeah i would probably consider this a disappointing season for juan soto and that's going into a walk year next year that's not someone that i want to part with you know not making the postseason this year i think he's going to be motivated going into next year and obviously, you know, the, the free agency thing, the money dangling in front of him, he's right there. He's going to want to perform better than he ever has next season. So that's not someone, and I, I guarantee you, if the Padres front office is going to be having those conversations this offseason about Juan Soto, should we trade him, should we not? I guarantee you it's going to be brought up in that front office from someone that if there's someone on it, like one side of the table that's saying trade Juan Soto, we'll still have a talented team. You can get something back for him. We're not going to give him $500 million in free agency, blah, blah, blah. There's going to be someone on that other side saying, hey, Blake Snell, you know that year that he just had for the Padres, Cy Young season? Do you want that for Juan Soto? Do you want to have that guy on the Padres next year? Do you think that the other guys around Juan Soto are going to be that bad? This next season, I think we want that Juan Soto on this Padres team. At least give it a chance. That's where I stand on this. At least give it a chance. Having Juan Soto, who's on track for the Hall of Fame, right? One of the 
I mean, he was compared to Ted Williams hitting-wise, right, earlier on in his career with the Nats. That's not a guy that I want to trade and only at the end of the day here with the Padres get one pennant race out of him. When the goal was to get three, obviously you can't get three because there's going to be no postseason opportunity this year. Um, but I want to at least try to get two. If it's not working at the trade deadline next year, I get it like you wouldn't get nearly as much because it would be a rental, but you're telling me that no team would want Juan Soto at the trade deadline next year? Of course they would. Even if he's not playing that well, of course they would because they'd take the chance because it's Juan Soto because those teams would know the talent is in there. Um, and again, like just Soto on a free agent year, that really is appealing to have him um, and just start. Start the season with Juan Soto and see how it goes. And, you know, I mean, if he walks, then he walks. And, yeah, that would suck, but at least you tried. At least you tried all of the years with Juan Soto. You, tr you gave up that much. You're not going to get that much back if you trade him this offseason, right? So, again, I, I would just try it. And Peter Seidler, he's not getting any younger. Obviously, hoping the best and hoping that he is continuing to recover uh, from the medical procedure that he had. But he's not getting like, – I, I think he's at the point where he's like, no, I'm just going to continue going all in on this thing because I don't know how much longer I have left. And – Am I going to regret this, allowing my front office to trade Juan Soto? Because what if, you know, there's a what if that you can bring up. What if the Padres are a couple games out of a playoff spot and you don't have Juan Soto and he's tearing it up for another team that you traded him to, right? Or what if the Padres made it to the postseason? What if they made it to the NLCS and you've got some other outfielder up in a clutch situation, it's like, dang, we could have Juan Soto up here. We didn't give it that chance. We didn't try for that, you know, that third season with Soto. We didn't try to get that second, kind of, you know, that that second postseason World Series chance with Juan Soto. Right? Soto in a free agent in a walk here. I want that opportunity. And I'm, we might look back on it and be like, dang, they wasted Juan Soto's final year. If it works out like this year and they don't trade him at the deadline, they don't make the postseason next year. We got big problems if they don't make the postseason next year again and have another really disappointing season, obviously, right? Um, because like this year with Snell, I feel like we wasted Snell's season because they didn't trade him before the deadline. And the team just didn't win. And he's going to win the Cy Young and probably go leave and join another team. It just doesn't feel amazing. You know, with Blake Snell in a Padres uniform this season. Um, and so, yeah, we could, feel, we could feel that same thing with Juan Soto for next year. But I still want to give it that opportunity. Because I still believe in the core talent on this team. And I believe in Juan Soto uh, performing really well at the plate in a walk year. That's what I believe in. So I'd give it a shot. I really, really would. Um, Tatis, what a game he had. Home run robbery. Obviously, that was the highlight. That was the, the catch of the year. Soto made some good plays. Diving catch, uh, running catch down the left field line in the corner there up against the wall. I mean, right in stride. Um, you know, it's weird with Soto. And I'll get back to Tatis here in a moment. It's weird with Soto because there's some times where it's like, 
doesn't look like he's trying his hardest. And then there's others where it's like, oh, wow, that's a really good play. He got there. Give credit to Juan for that. And he's playing every day. So it's kind of like Manny. Like, I'm not going to relentlessly get on Manny Machado if he's playing every day. He doesn't hustle out a grounder to second base. Like, I understand why he's not doing that. But there's sometimes in the field where it's like, wow, I think he could have given a little bit better of an effort there at Juan, sometimes this season, sometimes with the Padres, I've thought that. Um, but then there's sometimes where he turns it on like this. It's like, oh, well, I thought we could have seen that a little bit more often from Juan. You know, maybe that's just me. Maybe some other fans were like, no, that's just, I'm not surprised by that. That's just how Juan plays, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, it was a good day for Juan, obviously. Big home run that he hit. Jose Zocar had a home run. Congratulations to him getting his first home run, I believe, at Petco Park uh, as a Padre in his big league career. He His first home run, obviously, was a bomb at the Oakland Coliseum um, during their last road trip. And then Tatis had some hard-hit balls today. Obviously, the home run robbery. I, From where I was sitting in 309, I did not think that Tatis came down with that ball. I'm obviously hundreds of feet away, so I didn't see him come down with the ball. But then I see him, you know, uh, be super excited and pumped up after he comes down. It's like, holy crap, he caught that ball. And Petco Park went nuts seeing the replay. Uh, I don't think a lot of Petco Park saw that he caught the ball either. But then they saw him come down and celebrate and they all got pumped up. But yeah, I mean, that was what a catch. Plays of the year. I don't want to forget Manny Machado's play that he made on that Friday night. It wasn't. It might have been, I think it was against the Dodgers. It was at Petco, City Connect night. And Manny, I think a lot of people will know what I'm talking about here. Ground ball to the 5-5 hole, pretty much. Manny dives, lays out. He's on his butt still and makes the throw over to first base. You know, kind of reminded you of Ken Caminetti. Caminetti obviously was from farther over. He was like down, literally down the line. Manny's wasn't down the line. But that was an amazing play. I feel like those players are actually more impressive than like Tatis robbing the home run. Both are very impressive. And I, I don't blame you if you want to pick the Tatis one over the Manny one. But with the, with the Manny type plays like that, you have to make a great diving play, right? Tatis makes the home run catch, but that's all he has to do. Um, where Manny, he has to make that. He has to be on his butt, turn or flip over whatever he did, and then make the throw over to first base first base make the throw over where Tatis it's one it's just the catch you know that's the the big thing but I know home run robberies those are sexier than um you know just a, a throw to first but both plays are amazing those are the another was that this season I think it was this season I'm just thinking in my head the one in Colorado because I know our our minds we forget things so easily about like when we think of oh play of the year I think it was this year where Manny was in Colorado, right down the third base line, foul territory, and he was his back was turned from home plate, and he's going. I think it was it was probably bad weather. I think it was raining a little bit, and he makes the catch like Willie Mays style, like over his head, and then he's well, he doesn't make the catch initially. He's falling down. He's bobbling it as he's falling down and he makes the catch and then throws it in because there's a runner on third base, throws it in to keep that guy from scoring when some guys maybe would have not immediately thrown it in. No, Manny immediately threw it in. That's 
the concentration on that. So, I mean, yeah, I don't want to, you know, crap on Tatis. Uh, I don't mean to crap on Tatis. It was a great play. But those those two plays stand out to me as, like, in terms of, like, all around the difficulty, the multiple steps in it, I'm probably going to go with Manny. Um, which one? Probably the one where he had to make the throw to first. I know he had to make the throw in the Colorado play at course Field, but that wasn't, like, the complete and out. That was just to keep the guy from running home. I believe in that spot it was a close situation as well. Um, all three of those plays were really good. Uh, I, again, I don't want to make it seem like Tatis' home run robbery wasn't impressive. I mean, yeah, it was really impressive. But I feel like a lot of people get, you know, they really short-term memory. Right when they see an amazing play, they're like, yep, play of the year immediately. And they don't think about other plays. And I, I, I was a victim of that. In the moment, I was like, holy crap, that's like play of the year. Um, but just sitting here now, think trying to think over some of the, the really good plays this year. Uh, I know Grish has made some in the gap. I think Grish robbed a home run earlier this year. But I think the center field wall might not be as tall as the right field wall at Petco. Um, but yeah, like the Manny ones, those definitely stick out to me. No doubt about that. Um, anything else from today's game? I mean, the fans, obviously. Like I said earlier, over 3.2 million showed up to Petco this year. So props to you all for showing up. And that obviously broke the, the Padres franchise attendance record, even from when they were back at uh, Jack Murphy before I was even born. Um, Jack Murphy, what was the other? Did they just, was it called Qualcomm at any point the Padres played there? Or was it always Jack Murphy before they left? Because I, I don't recall that. Um, but obviously, you know what I'm talking about at the queue. Even like the the rec the attendance from there, like this broke the attendance. Just I think Padres franchises. So again, props to Padres fans for continuing to show up this season. There it was there was hype all the way from the beginning, from before the season at Fan Fest and. Everyone showing up for Fan Fest, probably like the by far the, the highest attended Fan Fest in you know Padres franchise history, if they even keep track of that. Uh, packing Gallagher Square there for when the Big Four spoke, and Peter Seidler and AJ and Grutner, they all went up on stage and spoke as well. And Musgrove was Musgrove Hater, I think Martinez, they were up there. Um, showed up from before the season even started, and then there were big crowds in spring training, big crowds on the practice fields. The hype was there. Fans showed up. This wasn't like just a media-driven hype thing. No, the fans really showed up. Um, again, even like when this Padres team probably didn't deserve having sellout crowds every night based on the way that they were playing. But fans continued to show up. So props. Props to you all, Padres fans, for doing that. Uh, and again, Bowmel. Thanking the fans before leaving the field, that's a moment that's definitely going to stick out. It's not something that happened during a game or anything like that, but appreciating the fans like that because there were some players that just, you know, walked off, walked into the dugout. Um, but Bob, Bob, he it really stuck out because he sat there, not sat there, but he was walking off. It looked like he was just going to do his regular thing and go into the dugout. But then he stopped. Hopefully someone has footage of this. He stopped and was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm giving my thanks to these fans here one last time. He doesn't know if he's going to be back. 
Um, he's you know going to give the same answers, obviously, to the media whenever asked about it. Like, I'm going to continue managing this team until someone tells me otherwise, and I haven't been told otherwise. So, yeah, that's that's what I have to say on it. Um, but who knows? I mean, I'm I'm still leaning that Melvin's not going to return. It's not going to be because of Bob. It's going to be because Preller ends up going and trying to get another manager, uh, and the Padres allow that, allow AJ to do that. Um, so Bob could walk away and just be like, I don't want to deal with this, but I feel like he's going to, I feel like he would regret that. And I feel like he would probably be mad at himself for doing that because he's like, man, I left, I left my guys. I, I let my guys down because I left before the contract was up. I left before Juan Soto's contract was up, you know, and their their years aligned. So I don't see him leaving. I, I see Melvin probably not being the manager, but it, again, not because of Melvin, but because of um, someone higher up that you know makes that decision. AJ Preller, uh, Peter Seidler allowing that. I don't know. I don't know what role Eric Grutner has in all this. The CEO of the Padres. I mean. He was on the radio this past week with Ben and Woods, like criticizing AJ Preller's roster construction about hopefully getting more young and hungry players next year, not having enough, I, I guess, depth. Um, a lot of old guys on the roster, essentially, was what he was hinting at there. And it's like, okay, so are you making some of these decisions? Are you in Peter Seidler's ear and saying, hey, Peter, I think we should do this with the baseball team? Like, what are you? It's weird that the CEO does that, you know, or he's just speaking from the Padre fans perspective, like any of us that would, if they, if we were on a radio show or like me in this show right now, my, this, this YouTube show podcast right here, um, and just giving my thoughts, like, yeah, probably need some more young and hungry players next year. Need to improve the versatility. Not good enough. Maybe that's just the mode that Eric Krupner got in, but yeah, like, I wonder who is, uh, Who's making AJ is making the baseball decisions, but who else has influence on that? Is it just AJ? Because I don't know that that stood out to me that Eric Krupner, uh was you know criticizing some of the stuff that AJ was some of the moves that AJ made in the the pre before the season spring training off season. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously, in the off season, there's going to be. A ton to talk about. All right. I want to get to a break, and then I'm going to get to some San Diego sports stuff, and then I'll finish off with the chat. because I just want to get all the way through the chat. Just keep going through the chat instead of having to go back and forth. So here is a break, and then I'll get to some San Diego sports stuff. By the way, this episode, before we get to this break, this episode brought to you by main sponsor of the show, Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and fries. Best cheesesteaks in San Diego. Had some of their garlic fries today in my last home game at Petco Park this season. The last home game at Petco Park this season. Uh, their main location on Friars Road. And you can get them at Petco Park next season. And obviously, since you're not going to be at Petco Park here in October, you can go to Snapdragon Stadium and get them there as well. So, Gaglion uh, Bros, again, visit their website. Link in the description. Great stuff there. BreakingTea.com, click the link in the description for some great San Diego sports swag. And Foco has some great Padres bobbleheads and collectibles as well. Um, all right. 
quick break, and then I'm going to get to some San Diego sports stuff. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, some other stuff that happened around San Diego Sports this weekend. San Diego Loyal, I did not watch this game, obviously, because that ha- it was happening at the same time as the Padres game today, and I was at Petco, so I'm not going to go super deep into this loyal match or spend too much time on it, but just tell you the final score. 1-1 uh, against Las Vegas, Adrian Perez. He got the equalizer on a header on a corner kick in the 27th minute. I did see the highlight of that goal. Pretty good on the corner there. Um, so San Diego Loyal, they had a really good comeback win the other night uh, in the middle of the week on the road, and then getting at least a point, you know, picking up a point here today. And so at least, you know, they didn't go away with the loss, right? Because they want to have that, that four seed at least, host the host a uh, playoff game at least. Um, their next matchup, September 30th against Monterey Bay, um, who they just played on the road and won 3-2. That was on Wednesday. And so there's, what, like four or five, I think, matches left in the season, maybe six. And right now they're actually tied for the third spot with Phoenix, both at 47 points. Phoenix has played one more match, though, than San Diego has. So this is the West. Sacramento's one, San Antonio's two. San Diego's three, Phoenix and Orange County are both tied there. San Diego, Phoenix, and Orange County, or uh, excuse me, they are tied there. Um, And then San Diego State, this happened on Friday night. This It's not like this was a, a Saturday game, but Friday night, they lost to Boise State. This is their third consecutive loss in a row, 34-31. It was tied at 17 and a half. You know, this is not a game where I feel like criticizing the offense a bunch, 
Now I'm I'm gonna you know criticize you know Jalen Maiden. The ball security needs to improve. Um, you know based on this game, there. I think he said this in the post game presser when he was talking to the media about how he needs to have that complete game. There's sometimes where this season he's had interceptions in the end zone, overthrown guys in the end zone, little things like that. Then there's games like this Boise State game where ball security was an issue. Um, they were at the one yard line and there was a fumble. He fumbled later in the game as well. Um, he was the leading San Diego State rusher, 85 yards. But I mean, I give credit to him at the end. You know, he was limping into the end zone, just trying to get back into that game, trying to set up an opportunity if they get the onside kick to go win. And obviously they didn't, uh, but he continued to fight. So yeah, I give credit to him for that. But it was not his his best game. And there, there needs to be, I think, a little bit better um, of a running game. You know, I, I think... Yeah, Jalen Maiden, he can do things with his legs. We know that's a weapon. But I'm sorry, when you got another team, they clearly have a running attack. They clearly have an Ashton Genty. The dude had two touchdowns, 205 rushing yards. Um, he's There's big plays happening there for Boise State. And there were some big plays for San Diego State, but... It just felt like it, it was obviously well, obviously wasn't enough. There there weren't as many. It felt like um, as Boise and defensively. I mean that needs to improve as well. The big plays that they allow on defense, like that's a little concerning, right? I mean, I get it. UCLA, Oregon State, probably you know better athletes, speed. You're, you're going to allow a big play probably, but then it came. It, it kept going into this game here. And there was uh, a big touchdown run from Genty where they, they just didn't wrap up. They just got to wrap up better. Um, Browning, the kicker, he missed a field goal in the third quarter. Obviously, they lose by three there, so you can point to that one. But I go back, obviously, to the beginning of the game where they fumble and they're so close to the end zone. Just some missed chances, some ball security issues. And now San Diego State, I don't think they're in the in the best spot. I mean, they'll have a little bit easier of an end to the season just because of the start that they are having to their Mountain West schedule. I mean, and just the stretch in general. I mean, UCLA, um, Oregon State, Boise State here, Air Force, they don't come back home, I think, until October. October. So there's a little bit. And the attendance, again, was less than 15,000, I think for the, the actual attendance at Snapdragon. And that was like their red out game. That was supposed to be a highly attended game. But I, I, I think that for some fans, especially when San Diego State, it's just not that entertaining of a product. You have the Padres who obviously they have like the superstar players and all that. Obviously, you're not going to out, you know, sell them, right? Um, but, and that had, that probably had to do something with it. And it was on a Friday night. But, the student section, you know, in the second half, I mean, it was pretty empty after being pretty full at the beginning. Um, it, it just, it doesn't look very exciting. And it's not something that I think a lot of fans want to go spend a hundred bucks on. Um, more than a hundred bucks. Uh, there are some tickets in the upper deck that were going for like 50 bucks. Um, I think the day of Boise State, San Diego State. And it's like, 
what fans are going to want to go pay for that when they can just go watch it at home. It's not like it's a super exciting. It's not like it's Colorado football that they're going to go watch, right? It's just not. I don't think it's super appealing to go watch in person. Um, and so season ticket holders are obviously going to get pissed off if they have to. They already have paid for season tickets and. For if San Diego State lowers the prices this season, like they did, I think, last season at the end, to try to get more people in the door. So maybe they don't lower the prices this year, and it's something that we have to wait till next year. But something has to change on that. I mean, with San Diego Wave, there's tickets that I think are 10 bucks for the final um, regular season match on October 15th. Quick plug, go get your tickets, San Diego Wave's website, social media, go to their tickets, and you can get that there. Uh, kids get in free. Um, for San Diego Wave's final regular season match, I believe if you get the, the special $20 ticket from the link that they provide, like little things like that, that will get more people in the door. And now San Diego Wave, that's, for me at least, uh, and I think for fan, people that follow that club, that's an exciting product. That's more exciting than, I think, San Diego State fans viewing the San Diego State Aztecs football team, right? Like for the basketball, for example, exciting product, people show up, right? I know it's less seats than than at Snapdragon with Vias Arena and all that, but they've got to change something. If they want to get people in the door, don't think that having the same thing, you know, same prices, um, same, not really that entertaining product, to be honest, um, having that continue to be rolled out there, that's not going to, don't expect things to change if things don't change. Things you do don't change, you know? Um, so, Again, I think more of the attention should be on, as I've said before, on the team on the field, but obviously the attendance thing keeps getting brought up, so I was going to address it. But yeah, next up, Air Force, September 30th, and Air Force is 4-0. So the Aztecs, you know, what we thought maybe was going to be two losses in a row if they could beat Boise State, now it could turn into four in a row and be 2-4, and 0-2 oh in conference at the end of this, uh, after this Air Force game. And... Uh, that would be trouble. That definitely would be trouble because Boise State and Air Force, those are two of the best teams in the Mountain West, right? Um, and San Diego State wanted to compete for that. And again, I think that, I don't know if I've said this before, but I think now Mountain West, the Mountain West Championship, it's between the top two schools. It's not like Mountain West Mountain and Mountain West West, right? Those were the two, I think, subdivisions of the Mountain West Conference that they had. I think it's just top two in the conference that match up. So that makes it tougher, obviously, on San Diego State. So they, they've got to turn it around for sure. Um, I think they need to find a little bit better of a running game, preventing the big plays, limiting the turnovers, obviously, the mistakes. Um, and they had some costly ones here against Boise State. All right, let's get to the chat here. Hopefully there's Padres fans that have stuck along here. And they're going to stay along here, ask some questions. If you have questions, comments, feel free to put them in the chat. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button. It makes it very easy for me to see your comment or your question. And you jump to the front of the line for any that I can see. Um, but yeah, let's get to it here. If you want to join the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. Austin says, this would have been great in May and August. Yes, I think you're talking about the, the winning streak. Yes, 
Well, even after the eight games, what they're nine, they've won nine of their past 10 games. Yeah. Would have been great in August for sure. When it felt like, yeah, they have more in this, but let's say they would have done this in August and they would have played like crap here in September, like they did in August. It wouldn't have made a difference because it's the same thing. You're just substituting, you know, when you're doing that. They would have had to play like that in August and then continue to play well in September. I don't know if they were going to do that. It's just frustrating that they're doing it now. It's like, well, they could have been doing that multiple times this season and they just weren't able to do that, right? Uh, James asks, is there a waiting list for season tickets? Yes, that's what Eric Grubner said the other day. Yeah, there's still a waiting list. Devin says, sucks, Bowmel is probably not coming back. I don't think he would want to deal with Preller for another year. Yeah, but I don't think it would be Bowmel making that decision. I feel like it's gonna it would be the Padres. And then maybe they release a statement like we decides to start the we decided to part ways. But I think Bowmel wants to at least go through the contract. He doesn't want to give up on the team. I think that's how he would view it if he didn't come back. Sure, he he probably doesn't want to deal with Preller again, but I think he would be like, man, I, I don't want to give up on this team. I don't want to give up on these players when my contract's not up. I, I believe in the talent in this clubhouse. Or at least the, the star talent, right? Uh, Devin asks, quick question, why do you number each episode, Ben? Yeah, good question. Um, I don't know, to be honest. Well, actually, I kind of do know. It started, I'm, I'm someone that watches John Boy Media um, and Talking Yanks. I like their show. Talking Friars, by the way, the name did not come from that. I was asked that on a show that I went on recently. That's not why. It just I just came up with the name. Or else, if I would have, you know, actually had inspiration from the Talking Yanks show, I would have named it like Talking Talkin instead of Talking. But no, this is just the show that I named it. But the episode number thing, yeah, I did I did kind of get inspiration from them because I believe they number the shows. Like if you go look at their uh, YouTube channel um, when they do their live streams and stuff, there I believe there's an episode number on there. So yeah, I did get inspiration from them for that. Uh, but also earlier, I wasn't doing the show like every day or every other day as consistently. I was doing it like, once a series like after a series kind of recap the series and that's it so i would number it but i'm doing it more if i was doing it more consistently maybe i wouldn't have numbered it because it's a lot of episodes obviously um but i think it also shows you know new people that oh man he's done it for 476 episodes here as of today now right so he he's putting he's put in the work and so maybe people will um respect that i don't know Uh, JD's third says Ben is the MVP of Padres social media this season. He reached 5,000 subscribers. Let's give him a hand. Well, I'm not some, thank you. But I think I said this to someone in the comments earlier today. I'm not someone that goes and floats around my subscriber count and be like, oh, we're so close. I'm so close to 5,000 subscribers. Please hit the subscribe button. I'm not someone that does that. Like I put it in the description just because if you want to subscribe, like here's the link, but I'm not going to shove it down your throat and be like, subscribe, 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 like, and subscribe. I'm not, 
Like if you, um, if you like what I do, you like me talking about the Padres consistently, talking about some other San Diego sports a little bit when necessary, then you'll subscribe. I don't need to tell you a million times. I don't need to tell you at the beginning, in the middle, at the end to subscribe. Like if you like it, you'll subscribe. I, I think at least from my point of view, as someone that watches some other YouTube stuff, not just Padres, but other stuff, um, I'm not someone that likes having someone say, hey, subscribe, 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 like, you know, like, because I don't, because that doesn't do me any good. Like, I want to hear your thoughts on a certain subject. That's why I'm watching the video. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really all. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, let's see here. Continuing to go through the chat here, Dave says uh, enjoys he enjoys the live shows, especially the weekday day shows. Will you be doing any MLB postseason shows? Like to see you hit episode 500 before the end of the World Series. I don't know if I'll hit 500 before the end of the World Series. Maybe I will because I'm probably going to do like player reviews, like I did at the end of last season. Um, those will probably come out like during the postseason. Um, probably a couple players a day. I think that's what I'll do. Um, but in terms of like talking about what's happening, <coughs> oh, excuse me, sorry. Wow. Uh, in, in terms of what's happening in Major League Baseball's postseason, maybe I'll mention it on the show, but this is a Padres San Diego sports channel. I'm not going to go talk about 
the Braves Marlins series or whatever. And there's no relation to the Padres there. I'm not going to just go talk about that and make it an MLB show. Like, that's not what it is. I have a other channel, um, a baseball MLB channel, Baseball Struck. You can go look that up on YouTube. I'll probably talk about, the, I'll, be po- I'll be talking about the postseason there. But this channel specifically, no, that's Padres and uh, San Diego sports stuff. Yeah. I might hit on it. You know, if there's something that happens or a former Padre does something or whatever, but I'm not going to like every day go be talking about what happened in the AL wildcard series or something. All right. Continuing to go through the chat here. Uh, Well, one to two weeks of playing. Okay. Really make everyone forget of a horrible season and let everything continue as normal next year. That's what I hope not. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope not. Um, yeah, because I hope that the Padres don't spin this at the end of the year as like, oh, well, we saw who the real Padres were. We were playing super well. That's who we really are. I don't want them saying that here at the end of the season. I just want them to take accountability. It wasn't good enough. It sucked. We have to be better. We feel really bad uh, that we let down the fans, all this money spent. We let down Peter Seidler. Let down the organization, let down Bob Melvin. We're really sorry for that. Um, no, I, I hope that people don't treat this like, oh, everything's okay. Look at what they did at the end of September. Oh, they played okay. If they get above 500 this year, get to 500. Oh, well, we still had a winning record or we still got the 500. No, I, I hope that doesn't happen because we know the real thing, right? Like they were under 500 for pretty much the entire season. And it took an eight game winning streak for them to get close back to 500 right what are they right now two games under yeah 77 and 79 even with the eight game winning streak winning nine of their last 10 they're still fourth place in the national league west and that's with the the rockies in there and the giants in there and the d-backs haven't been playing as well um let's see here continuing to go through the chat Charlie asks, what's going on with Austin Nola? Is he still on the roster? He's still in the organization. I think he's not, I don't think he's playing because he's still getting, he's like on the road to recovery from, um, what was the injury? It was like head, it was like a brain-eye coordination injury thing that he was having problems with, obviously, I think since spring training when he got hit. So he's still, I think, recovering from that. Yes, he's still in the organization. He's still under control for next season. It might be for multiple seasons, not just next year. But yeah, he's still in the organization. And I think the Padres will give him a shot. I I think that's only fair. Sure, people don't like him. He's not a great hitter, doesn't throw out runners. But when that guy went through that, I mean, what's the worst? Have him just play in AAA and see if he can play well that's what i would do uh lizzie asked do you think preller will keep carpenter next season and will we have to eat his contract to rid ourselves of him yes i think that preller will try to answer both lizzie i think preller will try to trade matt carpenter before next season um He's probably going to have to add him to a pretty decent package, I would think. And maybe the Padres won't get much back in that trade. And that would just be like a, a salary dump. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think yeah they're gonna try to trade him. Don't know if they will. Maybe they maybe they allow him to. If they don't trade him, they will probably allow him to go to spring training because what's the point in him and them not even allowing him to go to spring training? Probably allow him to go see what he does. Maybe he's willing to go play in El Paso for a little bit. If not, then maybe just eat the contract because they need all the roster spots for next year. Like they can't have this relaxed mentality going into next season. Like, no, we'll turn it around. It's okay. Everything's fine. Like this year, right? If the urgency thing was a problem. Um, yeah, it's. I don't want that to happen again next year where people are like, or Manny with the quotes about, don't jump back on the bandwagon when we start doing our jobs and effing raking and then you don't do it. Right. And you have Joe Musgrove in the middle of the season talking about how, yeah, like admitting, yeah, we probably didn't show enough urgency at the beginning of the year. And then there's pieces written at the end of the year, right? Um, yeah, I. Every roster spot counts next year. That's what I would say to that. All right, I think that's the end of the chat. Again, I see positive comments in here from Charlie, JD's third, some other people in the chat here. So, thank you for that. Um, that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 476. Reminder, code Talking Friars, $20 off your order on SeatGeek. That's not just Padres games. I know there's none of them left for this season, but that's for other events that you can go get, go buy, get tickets to on SeatGeek. You can use that code there. Um, again, thank you all for the time today. Have a great rest of your night, great rest of your weekend. And I'll be back uh, for tomorrow, Padres Giants. That series gets underway with Blake Snow on the mound.